Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brand new for the 2022 season. It's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend, Phoenix, and me. Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Welcome back to the Rock Jock Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we have a lot to get to and not a whole lot of time to do it because we haven't podcasted in a little while. Since the last time we did, Kevin McCuller has retur- decided to return to school. So we're going to talk about that. Then there's also, uh, figured it would happen at some point this summer, realignment rumors are floating around. And so we're going to talk about them, what makes sense, what actually we should be thinking about right now, and at what point do you actually get super excited about potentially even more teams coming to the Big 12. So to help me do all of that, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. Happy June. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, It is officially June. It is now Pride Month for those of you guys that celebrate it. So, um, look, this is going to be a lot in the next few weeks here because there's already rumors flying. This is about the time, if you remember last year, that UCLA – and USC, like everything just hit the fan. And, and so we are right at the, the, the cusp of that time frame, and everybody's getting a little antsy. We will go ahead and talk about that, but I do want to talk about the definite news first because obviously after all of the roster shakeup, Kansas does get a big return from Kevin McCuller, um, who is going to be probably a very critical piece for this team going into next year. I know that you wrote an article talking about the rotation and, and uh, I believe we had some some last minute edits because of Uday leaving and then uh, you know potential and, and then McCuller coming back. But how big of a deal is it for this Kansas team that McCuller will be back in in uniform next year? It's probably the out of any 
scenario that could have happened post Uday transferring. I think it's probably the biggest one. The wing was the spot that you, they desperately needed. It's also just that, you know, McCullough fits in. There's plenty of guys who are going to be able to take shots. He fits in and does everything so well. He knows the system. And honestly, I think we're going to be talking about this a lot when we get more into the fall. This has a chance to be maybe the best or one of the best defensive teams in the country because you have Juan Harris at the point providing ball pressure. You have McCullough, who's a two-time Naismith Defensive Player of the Year semifinalist. And then you have Hunter Dickinson, who is not uh, necessarily known for his defense, but the fact that he's 7-1 in college means, like, last year he got almost two blocks a game. So, like, he's going to be a rim protector, and he's going to put some fear in the eyes of anyone who wants to try and drive. And that's an area that we that Kansas desperately lacked last year, even though, you know, KJ is super athletic. He was not a shot blocker. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, you can talk about it at a couple of levels, like – You've got some some good scoring there from from McCuller. I, I if he can beef up his three point percentage, that's going to be huge because Kansas could use another guy who could stretch the floor. But even just in general, I think his his defense, his rebounding, his awareness, everything he does, and then also you know, I don't know if we try to tend to make too much out of this or not enough, but the fact that he is you know not only a veteran guy, but he's <laughs> now been in the system longer than most of them, even though he's only been in the system one year for guys like Chris Johnson coming in as a freshman and, and Jamari McDowell and some of them at the wing. I feel like this is a big, I feel like he could have a pretty big impact on their growth. You know, we might not see it this year, but in years to come. So yes, I mean, it's a home run for Kansas. He fits in perfectly. You have a ton of one and two guard uh, potential. And then you had a lot of uh, at the four and the five that was where we we're missing. We we're missing that that wing, that big athletic wing. And, and McCullough showed he could get to the basket. Again, maybe shoot it a little bit better this year, but this is going to be a great defensive team. And he offers enough offensively. And I think he's going to, especially compared to last year, there's going to be a more around him that he's not going to be asked to do a ton offensively. I think he's going to do all the little things. He's going to go crash the boards and get push put backs and get draw fouls and get to the lines. Like it just, it makes so much sense. And it's, it's, I know people were talking about Grant Nelson in North Dakota State, which he's also more of a KJ type four than a than a three, and some of the other guys. I, th- I think McCuller is probably the best out of all the available options that were left. McCuller is by far, I think, the best one for Kansas, and that's you, you got to be most excited about that than anything else that could have happened. Yeah, I mean, and, and as we found. In most college sports, right, the, the continuity is something – well, actually, I guess most organized professional sports anyway. Um, continuity is something that has value to it. So if you're going to be bringing in a different guy, they better be an upgrade compared to the guy that you had before. Otherwise, you might as well just keep the guy that knows the system, knows the way you want to do things. Um, Kevin McCullough is kind of the, both, the, the best of both worlds. You know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the roles of different guys mm. and how Kevin McCullough – you know, was really kind of that Jalen Wilson type garbage man last year uh, where he just did everything. You know, you need something on a particular night, he can do it. Um, you know, they didn't really have a guy like that. Like, you, you look at everyone that's coming back, you had Dewan and you had KJ, and that was it. Like, those were literally the only two guys coming back that had any kind of significant minutes. They all, they both had very clearly defined roles. And I think every single player that they have, um, you know, every player that they've gotten in the transfer portal or every player that they've recruited doesn't profile out to be a guy that can do a bunch of different things. They have a definite strength, you know, a definite skill set and then definite weaknesses. And, 
you there wasn't a guy that could be that flexible guy. Kevin O'Connor is you know the epitome of a flexible guy in college basketball. You know, bring him back with that extra veteran presence and. They have a lot of veterans, like a lot of guys coming in that are upperclassmen, but they don't have a lot of guys with experience in a Bill Self system. And that's what the team last year had. They had a ton of guys that had been with Bill Self, you know, the year before. I'm like, we are used to seeing Bill Self teams that have upperclassmen that have been there for for a little while that can help bring the new super talented guys in and get them acclimated to the way that the system works. That's part of the reason Bill Self system works so well is because they have so much continuity. They have so many guys that can keep the train moving. And so bringing McCuller back, even though he's only been here a year, does exactly that, brings back that continuity. And, you know, we talk on the football side, you know, we, we've been doing our 100-day countdown, uh, talked about the returning production, kind of talked about building on what we did last year. And obviously this is a team that had some very significant flaws last year and they needed kind of that change of direction, but you don't want to get rid of all of the positive things that they did. And Kevin, bringing Kevin McCuller back allows them to, build on that foundation even more. So, yeah, I'm super excited that McCullough's coming back. You know, great guy. I, I loved all of his interviews and everything anyway, so I was glad, ha- happy to see him back. Glad he will be back for another year. But it does. It, it anchors this team. It helps this team to have that veteran presence that they're going to need. And even if he takes a, a dip in minutes, which I don't necessarily think that he will, um, but even if he did, it would be because of some of the other things he's done to help develop other players. Yeah, he might take a slight dip in shots, but I don't think he's necessarily going to dip in minutes. You, you got to have him defensively. They're going to need him out there, right? And, yeah, and just everything else that he does, like rebounding, yeah, all of it. And that's where, yeah, and also, you know, let's not forget, we're going to we got we got some great uh, memes and facial expressions toward the end of the year with him. We got we've got another year of trash talking Texas Tech with him. Um, like, there's a lot of other bonuses here as well, but. It's also interesting just because I think when when a guy has been in college as long as he has, people like that that's now shown as a negative. And like he he went through the combine, didn't have a great showing, came back. I think it almost like you know unfairly kind of tries to say something about him. And I actually do think Kevin McCullough's got a spot in the NBA as a spot player. Like he's got good, he's got traits that do well, but like. Just because he is going, he's going to be one of those guys who's just going to be a very good college player. Who knows what will happen to him professionally, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he could be really, really good in college. And he's, again, more than anything, not only is he a really good player, and that kind of, I feel like, gets kind of undersold in the whole draft process and looking at him and comparing him to everybody else, but he's exactly what this team needs more than anything else. And from a fit rating, it's it's a 10 out of 10. And now, you know, there was all the, the all the pieces were coming together. Still felt like there was that one. He feels that completely. And now, I mean, you have to at least have Kansas top three in your preseason polls. There's a very, very good case for number one overall uh, because he just solidifies any other kind of question marks, maybe outside of the three-point shooting that's still there. Although I think Kansas does, does enough from enough guys that are are confident enough, especially if Juan kind of keeps up his uptick in, in not being a total liability from three. That now, like you, you come in as Bill Self into August, and you get to check all the boxes, and you get to go to Puerto Rico and get a couple of scrimmages to get these guys who haven't been playing together some time before the season even starts, which I think uh, it can't be undersold. Yeah, that, I mean that, that's the other thing we haven't really talked about that, that broke since the last time is that they did announce the trip to Puerto Rico, so they're going to have that opportunity for you know Hunter Dickinson for all of this team to get together and gel. 
Um, I remember the last time that they went over to Italy. That really kind of helped that team. Uh, you know, they when they were the the world uh, the world university games, like when they were the U.S. team there, that really helped them as well that year. So, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that it like guarantees a trip to the Final Four or gives them you know a huge leg up that you should you know definitely pencil them in as number one. But this is a team that was already very dangerous. They get that extra preseason work. Um, it's going to be a fantastic year, I think, for the Jayhawks. You're going to see a lot of new guys. You're going to, you know, you're going to get to find a lot of Jayhawks that were not Jayhawks last year. But as we've come to see, you know, you come to Lawrence and you're in Lawrence even for a year. You know, everybody kind of remembers you unless you did something really bad on the way out. So um, Hunter Dickinson, you know, he'll be here a year. And then KU fans are going to, you know, love the fact that he was here and then head off to the NBA. So, um you know, same thing. Hopefully, now with Kevin McCuller, that he'll he'll be able to use this year to to you know work on the things he needs to work on, and then end up getting drafted or at least getting guaranteed a two way contract. There's there's all kinds of things that kind of go into those decisions to come back. And unfortunately, if you look at the NBA, the draft is a lot of times it's more about the potential, right? It's about the skills that you have. It's about how much do they project that you're actually going to grow, as opposed to a Kevin McCuller who is much more of a finished product. Um, so. You know, I, I definitely I agree with you. I think he has a a decent spot somewhere in the NBA as kind of like a three and D guy, as you know, as a guy that can that can really help to anchor a defense. And we've seen a resurgence in NBA defense of guys that are actually getting picked up because of their defense. But I'm sure that we'll talk about that. We will be talking as well about the uh, the NBA draft that's coming up. Obviously, Kansas has some pretty big players that are going to be in the draft. Um, you know, in that draft process, with Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick are both expected to have their names called. Um, you know, Kansas has some other potential guys that could, you know, I, I actually, from what I'm hearing, Grady Dick has a good chance of even going in the lottery, like being a high first round draft pick. So, um, nine to 11 is, is a lot of mock drafts right now. Yeah. So, so and, and, you know, I've, I've even heard that he may even go before Wilson, just depending on which team needs what. So I will be very interested to see which one of those two gets, gets picked first. Um, but either way, I think the NBA is getting two more fantastic Jayhawks we all saw, have seen how Christian Brown has balled out for Denver this year um you know Ochai Abaji had a little bit of a rough year with his team just because of the way that the team played but he played really well still so um Kansas is getting more guys in the NBA that are having big impacts and so looking forward to what this team is able to do and how Bill Self was able to kind of push that forward so all right um anything else about McCuller coming back or this or this team going into next year no I mean I think I think it I, Bill even said that I, I wouldn't, you know, there is one scholarship open still. I wouldn't expect them to do anything with it. I feel like they're going to probably roll yeah. that over. The, the roster feels complete at this point. Um, and, and especially, you know, we talked about the like kind of the shop break. I'm like, there's really no room for now, you know, now fans want to get greedy and be like, who, who's not declaring for the draft that we can get in. Like we've, everything's kind of spoken for at this point. So I feel like you can, you can kind of put a bow on this roster and be really happy with it. And then, well, and, you know, and, start to and figure kind of out the, the unique situation that in, in most years, a, an open scholarship is a wasted one, but in this year, right. When they have a, the self-imposed penalties that they can apply that scholarship towards to help fulfill those, you know, you can bank one this year because you have a lot of guys that have roles that aren't going to, you know, I don't think anyone else that you can add at this point is a good development type guy. And so if you're getting someone that's for this year and you don't necessarily need to throw another body in there for this year. So, yeah, I, I think that they bank it. I think that they apply it towards that penalty um, to hopefully be able to get that done sooner. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, they're, they're I mean, 
it's been a it's been a wild off season. Um, you know, we might need to start calling Kevin uh, Mr. May because I think it was in May last year when he committed to Kansas to begin with, and then he comes back this year. And I just remember all those fans in early April freaking out when uh, everyone was leaving, but no one had come in yet. Now you look at the roster now and feel like Bill handled that about as well as he he could have. And even he mentioned he was kind of shocked at how well everything came. He out. wasn't expecting all of the well, and, and he was shocked that everyone left. I think mainly like Zuby and, and Ernest, but he understood yeah, it like fair. that. Even caught him by surprise. But they've yeah, you can't you can't ask for much more after the last three months. And now it's just okay. How I will say the same thing I said last year, which is uh, there could be some growing pains in the fall in the early part of the season, but that's okay. I'm, if they can stay healthy, which is a thing that actually. Kevin McCullough's back situation, you know, the Big 12 tournament and some of that, how different could some of that gone if he was 100%. Um, could be some rough going at the beginning, but I think by January or February, this team could be gelling and if not number one in the country, living basically in the top five. Yeah, I mean, and, and we've seen this from Bill Self teams where they bring in a bunch of guys, it takes them a while to to really, you know, hit their stride and get to where they need to be, but Kansas has always been a take your lumps early in the year and then get better as season goes on. And I have yet to see a team where I felt like the team didn't get to the best version of themselves before the end of the year. Obviously that can get derailed by injuries, like at very inopportune times or things like that. But I have, I don't think I can look back at any team in this bill self era and say, Hey, that team didn't actually play as well as they could have. Um, You know, we're going to get the best version of this team that we can in February and March. And Hopefully that's going to be enough that the matchups are going to be fine and we're going to have another deep run because I'm excited about this team. There's a lot of opportunity for this team. And like you said, it's hard for me to imagine another team getting overall number one over them. Maybe Duke, like if, if you know, it depends on how much your East Coast bias is or whether you just absolutely love Duke. Um, Purdue potentially with, you know, Edie coming back, but I don't even know if that's going to be enough considering the way that they kind of flamed out. Like that may not be enough to push them over Kansas, but Kansas definitely is going to be in the top three in every single poll. I would not be shocked if most of them have them at one. So, all right. KU Duke are clear one, two. But like we said, there might be some growing pains going into the year, but you will never have any growing pains because of how comfortable the sponsor here on the podcast is. Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. Um, you know, they have over 140 different schools. They continue to add new stuff. I just saw information about a, you know, a, a Tulane drop, like or a Tulsa drop. Like they have tons of new drops coming all the time, even for refreshing schools that they already have stuff for. So if you go over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code chalk12, you can get 15% off your entire first order and find tons of wonderful vintage college apparel. I have way too much. Again, I'm always looking to add more because every time I go onto the website, I find something else that is just absolutely fantastic that I don't have yet. So, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12, gets you 15% off your entire first order. Alright, I do want to go ahead and turn to you know, kind of the football and the realignment rumors and all that stuff that's swirling, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats Podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. 
it clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at Pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva the Cats. And we're back. I am here with Kyle Davis, deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Just got done talking about basketball. Now it's time to take a look at football. Um, you know, we're just starting our countdown here and, uh, you know, been talking about like the returning production, kind of doing a recap of last year and everything. And, and wouldn't you know it, we have a lot of very similar things to what happened last year. Realignment is rearing its ugly head again pretty early this year. There are rumors all over the place about particular teams that are looking to, to move. Um, while nothing has been officially announced yet, there's a lot of smoke right now around the fact that Colorado might be coming to the Big 12 um, and that it might be announced sooner sooner than you might think. The question, of course, being, I don't think that they jump alone. I think they're going to need someone else to come with them. Um, if they, you know, assuming all this happens and they do bring another school with them, who do you think that that school is most likely or 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 even just as importantly, who do you want that other school to be? Yeah, I, I do think you're right that Colorado is like the first domino um, in the Pac-12 kind of game that everyone's kind of waiting on. Um, it it feels like if it feels like if it's Colorado first, then Arizona and Utah are the next to decide. There are cases for both of them, like Utah. The 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 um. One of the benefits is the fact that now you have Utah and BYU back in the same conference. They've got that rivalry. If you want to talk <clears throat> and pretend like everyone actually cares about, you know, the travel schedules and whatnot of, of student athletes and that they're going to go to class, you could do the whole for basketball, you know, road Utah, road BYU in the same week. And for travel purposes, it, it makes some sense. Arizona obviously has a little more pedigree uh, in basketball and a decent amount in football, but Utah obviously is kind of one of the crown jewels from a football standpoint right now. So either of those make sense. I mean, Arizona state, you could lump them in. I mean, there's a chance where all four could happen. It would be interesting. Um, The name that's going out there right now as well as UConn, which is fascinating because not only is UConn one of the worst football programs, it's also, I, I know that, I know that the Big 12 and, and Brett Yormark are wanting to get East more, and that would make sense. But it's also like, even if you look at the numbers, like UConn just won a national championship of basketball, but it's not it's not the brand that some of these others are. So I wonder if, I mean, I think Utah, UConn would accept in a heartbeat, and they should if they got an offer to the Big 12. I'm just curious of what else would happen, because it feels like there would have to be something else there if UConn comes. And I think it's even... I think you would try to get at least two Pac-12 schools, regardless of UConn, and then see what else you can do out east. And I get that you know West Virginia kind of gives them a partner out there, but it, from a fan standpoint and from an excited standpoint, it's more the Pac-12 poaching, um, and which stinks for the Pac-12. But it seems like it's already it's one of those things like it's you stand still and you die. Like you got to keep making moves, and they're the Pac-12. I've, I've joked for a long time the Pac-12 network doesn't actually exist. It's a figment of our imagination. But even if you look at, you know, they're trying to get a new media rights deal, and it's just there's just nothing there, and it's not, I, nothing any of the schools are really going to be happy with. So if you tell me, hey, Colorado comes back and could be joined by potentially 
Utah or or maybe it's the the two Arizona schools and a UConn or something like that. I mean, that's considering where I think everyone was thinking the Big Twelve was going to be sold for parts. What now? It, like eighteen months ago. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not too bad. So yeah, I think uh, I mean the Colorado move. It just makes sense. They never felt right in the Pac twelve. Maybe that's just me. It just it, they always seem to kind of end on the outside there. And so that'll be a fun rivalry to get back, especially if if Dion can get the football program better than what it was and um you know the boulder can turn into allen Fieldhouse west again for basketball games but <laughs> it, it is tempting i mean the the pac-12 a lot's going to happen if, if this announcement comes through and not even just necessarily you know arizona and utah seem like the two most likely ones to come next but then you gotta think washington is not hanging around for much longer if this thing blows up and then you've got oregon and like how how much does that impact everything else? Cause it, and it is kind of funny that like Colorado, again, the one that feels the most, the least like a PAC 12 team, one of the less least successful PAC 12 teams in either of the major sports in the last five years. And they could be the ones that end up, causing the undoing by being the first ones to jump ship. Yeah, I mean, it's some, it's some some cruel irony there. Yeah, well, I mean, and they were also, you know, in that first round when Nebraska left, uh, you know, they, they left not not very long afterwards. Uh, afterwards. So, I mean, it's it's, it's hard to be too upset with the way that they, they did a lot of things because when Nebraska left, you know, there was, there was legitimate questions about whether the Big 12 was going to stick around. And so I don't blame Colorado for making the jump to the Pac-12. I would not make you know I would not blame them for making the jump back to the Big Twelve now, um, you know I have I have heard some things in terms of how likely this is you know to actually happen. Um, it you know it's been running all over the internet that this is basically you know they've been talking about it for months and it's pretty much done. My understanding is that if they dis- if they had to make a call today, right, like if they had to decide one way or another, that they would be in the in the, in the Big Twelve tonight. Um, However, there is a holdup in that they don't want to be the only team to come. And obviously, we don't want to have an unbalanced you know, conference if we can help it. And so the question then becomes, well, what do you do in terms of bringing someone with them? Um, it sounds like Arizona's the favorite. Um, from what I understand, there is a big pushback on Utah that nobody really wants Utah to come over in the Big 12. Um, and that while it might make sense in terms of a Utah-BYU, I don't know that how supportive BYU would be of it. Um you know, I also don't like Utah and some of the things that Utah's administration has said has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way about the way that they're talking about it. And so that's one of the things you don't want to do in a you know college circle is make enemies where you don't have to make enemies. And it doesn't sound like they've handled it particularly well. So my understanding is that the, the next yeah. target after them is Arizona. Hopefully, you know, you hope you can put, pull Arizona State with them. And then it's a question of do you bring in Gonzaga as a football – I'm sorry, as a basketball-only member – or I should say as a non-football member, or do you go grab a, a team like UConn? And, you know, and, and I mean, UConn does make sense in some fashion because you do want to go east. Um, you know, there's not a really big presence east. UConn would have a really big presence up in the New York area. Like, you look up there, and they would bring a decent amount of cachet in areas that the Big 12 is trying to get to. Um, they may not have the football program that you would need at this point, but you know, they wouldn't be the first bad football program to come into the conference and look, you know, looking to turn their fortunes around. And, you know, if if the big push that we keep hearing is that Brett Yormark is trying to position the conference for 
a basketball only deal or separating off the basketball deal, then it makes sense to bring in a team like UConn, to bring in teams like Gonzaga, to bring in teams that are very strong basketball wise that would give a compelling reason to be talking about basketball separately from football. And so, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's likely, I think it's a, a good possibility that, uh, you know, UConn sounds a lot more possible to me than the hope of luring like an Arizona state. Cause Arizona state, for whatever reason, seems like they don't want to leave the PAC 12. Um, I think they might get their hand forced, but I also don't think that if Colorado and Arizona leave and everyone else decides to stick together, you know, they could add South San Diego state. They could add Colorado. Well, they're state. already like, planning to, aren't they? San Diego state's already supposedly. planning to move. San Diego yeah, state's but, planning but to move. Play. Right. San Diego state's planning to move, but nobody has really said for sure that they're going to take them. Um, right. So it'll be, I, you still, yeah. Yeah. I, I, but that the San Diego state's also not sweetening the PAC 12 media rights pot anymore either so like that's that's where you're in a tough spot right. with the, the only reason you, you could... bring in like a san diego state or a colorado state is because you need them for inventory purposes right but then it's like is it that doesn't give you a lot of um ease long term like that doesn't necessarily yeah. make you sleep a whole lot better at exactly. night in long term exactly. but i'm sure yeah yeah that's where yeah you and and to your point especially from a cache standpoint that's why arizona out of those remaining teams has it just all the way around like the the University recognition, the the basketball, even the football program has had bright spots. Like from from a whole package deal, it feels like if it's like okay, Colorado and who out of Arizona, ASU, Utah, uh, Arizona does seem like the one that I would imagine that most fans and the other members of the Big Twelve would be like, yeah, we want them. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you're looking at metro areas, like if you wanted a big a bigger fan base, I think Arizona State, but. Arizona State brings a bunch of headaches. Um, like, it does bring the Phoenix area. It does bring quite a bit. But, you know, there's a lot of headaches in that they don't really seem like they would want to be in the Big 12. Like, it would almost be a, we have to because we have nowhere else to go. And if you have to only, you know, if you don't, if you get the pick, you want one that wants to be there. And it's if for all intents and purposes, it seems like Arizona is excited about the opportunity to be able to come to the Big 12, to come to a basketball conference, which, you know, it's as mediocre as they are in football, they are a really good basketball program. They have that history. And I, I mean, I'm just imagining how crazy a big 12 conference that would have like an Arizona and a Yukon coming into it um, would be. So, you know, if, if realignment happens, normally we'd be, you know, talking about realignment and wanting all these teams that have really, you know, bad football programs in Colorado and Arizona and, and Yukon, cause it would give us a chance for the, you know, the Jayhawks to get out of the cellar. But Coming into this year, there's a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. You know, we've done, we've been doing our 100 day countdown. You did the article about the returning production that we have. And I, you know, I actually in just the last couple days did, um, one article about optimist, you know, how you'd be optimistic about this team and another article about being pessimistic. So I get the feeling from talking with everybody and, and kind of our conversations before that you are much more optimistic about this team than pessimistic. But really quick before we get out of here, just kind of want to piggyback on those articles. What do you think is the biggest reason? to feel very optimistic about this team and think that they're going to build on it? And then what would be the biggest thing that gives you kind of a little bit of a worry about whether this team can build on last year or not? So for the, for the optimistic, I would say, and this goes back to, again, if if you didn't read the article, um, Bill Conley of ESPN does a great job. He basically charts the returning production for all 133 schools in Kansas has the second highest production nationally overall uh i think it's second highest in offense and 10th in 
defense so basically you have 90 percent of your offensive production going and that's not just starters that's you know impact players and like 80 percent of your defense um but the big point of my article was not even just the fact that so much is coming back because in times Kansas has had a lot of returning production, but it's been returning production of guys. So it's like, well, what have you done? It's, it's, it's returning production from two and 10 teams or three and nine teams. This is returning production of, of like a Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. And you've got, you know, Mason Fairchild and, J- and Jared Casey at tight end, Lawrence Arnold, a w- uh, wide receiver who actually done something like they, they were one of the most explosive offenses in the country, made a bowl game, you know, put up numbers like crazy. And even in the, defense which was the the side that struggled more you have a lot of key guys coming back in spots where you need continuity and and like the secondary is largely intact which is a big area because we are in a passing league um and in a passing game so like kenny logan and kobe bryant coming back is bigger maybe necessarily than uh a couple of other areas you've got some line per you know rich miller and craig young coming back so there's some pieces that still need to be filled in the defense, but I think the optimism is then you say, you look at what Lance Leipold did in the transfer portal and in recruiting and said he did a good job of filling some holes there on like the defensive line in an edge and, and to put there. So there's, that's why I think that the optimism is, is not as much, not only just that there's so much coming back, but it's like, you're coming back with some stars who have actually proven they can do something on the, well, well on and the, I think to, to kind of jump on that, like, and, and I did talk about this. It was actually one of the points that I wanted to put in there, but I, I limited myself to just three is the development, right? Like we've seen yeah. development in the last two years of each of those. And so like last year, the reason to be optimistic was you saw significant strides. You saw development of these guys at the end of the year, the last three games of the year um, that you thought could carry over with a full off season. You saw the big jump that they took. There's no reason to believe that they're not going to be able to take another big jump. Now, you could argue that like a lot of the offensive players or the offensive system as a whole has probably gotten pretty close to its peak because, you know, it's been a top 10 offense the entire year last year. But defensively, like you saw guys that came in and, and yes, Kansas lost a lot along the defensive line. Um, especially, but they hit that transfer portal hard, like you said, brought in some very highly rated guys who just didn't get an opportunity because they were recruited. I mean, you have a guy in, you know, like that that's at Auburn who doesn't get to play because, oh yeah, there's two five stars ahead of him. Like, yeah, I mean, you would have liked to have seen him get on the field, but he's transferring because he's blocked because there's just super talented guys there. He's probably a lot better than most of the recruits the Kansas has been able to bring in. And so, They've been able to find very good replacements at those key positions. They brought in three edge rushers in the transfer portal alone, all of which have a decent pedigree. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the main thing is you've seen this team with the right amount of time be able to put together and be able to develop their guys. And I think that they're just going to have more time to do that. So now what's also what some the depth other, there, yeah. too, because you've got you've got depth there. It's like, I know Jason Bean is not Jalen Daniels, but you have back there. You have both high shot and. Neil at the running back position. You've got a fair trial and Casey at the tight end. So that's the other thing too. You're not, you don't have like a one hit wonder where if they go down, you're, you're, you're well, done and, for. And, um, and especially on the defensive end, because in years past we've had, you know, we've had decent running back. We've had decent offensive production, but then, and then, but then on the defense, like you come in and you have such a huge drop off, right. From the starters to the, to the backups. And now there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of shuffling. There's a lot of guys that are, you know, the second stringers that could be first stringers if they're pressed into service. And we saw that last year. Like we saw 
Kobe Bryant go down against Oklahoma and, you know, the team stepped up and kind of didn't completely lock Oklahoma down in the second half, but really kind of made things difficult for them in a spot that we thought it wasn't going to happen because they couldn't stop them at all in the first half. Like we have seen, this is a much better second half team than first half team, which speaks to coaching and the ability of this team to get the most out of what they have. They may not, they still may not have the amount of talent that they need to, you know, have a winning record in the big 12 or, you know, to go nine and three or something like that. But it's not going to be because the team didn't get as good as they could possibly get. It's literally just going to be because, you know, there's a talent disparity still. Kansas has done a lot to, to shrink that recently, but they still have a ways to go. You still look at the recruiting classes and the talent base that they're getting right now. Uh, but, you know, I was looking through a lot of the, the commitment posts, a lot of the you know, stories about guys and talking about why they came to Kansas. And a lot of them mentioned the winning. A lot of them mentioned the program and like those cultural things that you want that are going to start getting those guys to believe that they can succeed here and that that will in turn bring in additional recruits who can help to make the team succeed even more. Now, yeah. on the other side, though, why would you caution Kansas fans from getting too excited about this team? I think, and this is not even a, uh, this is one of those things where I think um, the fact that they exceeded expectations so very much last year means that I feel like maybe there's some some outlandish expectations again. Like, I think if if KU goes seven and five again this year, that is not a disappointment. Now, like, I, I have, I've, I'm, I'm a bit of me is afraid that like from a pessimism standpoint, it's like, well, they went from three wins to six wins this year. Would they better be like nine and three or else, you know, it's a disappointment. No, like it's, we, we got this jump. The next jump is really hard to get over. And so I think part of it is maybe just they, since Leipold is ahead of schedule and a lot of that returning productions back, I don't even know if it's necessary pessimism, but it's like there's there's now going to be more. The expectations are weightier. You know, the the second half of last year was like, oh, we didn't expect this. This is so much fun. Now it's going to be, you know, I think part of it could even be that Kansas hasn't even gotten worse. It's just like you know, the Big Twelve is a tough league. These teams are getting better too. Like you got to watch out for you know, Texas is going to have a lot of firepower. All the you know, Oklahoma that sort of thing. It could even be that Kansas is, is about where it was last year and maybe things, you know, how crazy, maybe someone gets hurt, things go, you know, there's so many things that could happen. I feel like it could be a very similar season. And it, I wouldn't view it as a disappointment if Kansas goes seven and five necessarily, but I think there's a lot of those who, because of just how much, how much growth has happened in such a little bit of time that they're going to expect that to continue. And that's a really hard thing to continue. Yeah. I mean, you can point to the, resiliency of this team, you know, the fact that they went down so many times and came back in games. But I think also the fact that they had to come back so often kind of shows just how high of a variance this team is. Um, You know, you saw them go down against West Virginia by two scores pretty quickly. And then they won up themselves the next week against Houston and went down even quicker by two scores. And so, you know, this is a team that that digs itself holes and, you know, it has a strong enough offense that they can most of the time get out of them. So, um, or at least get it to the point where they're manageable. You know, they did that against Kansas state until the, you know, until the fourth quarter, um, you know, they dug themselves a huge hole there, the special teams gaffes, um, you know, and so it's, you have to worry about like how much was that Kansas getting everything to go their way as much as possible last year and how much of it was actually the baseline getting reset. So there's definitely worry about that. 
the one thing I will say, I mean, you look at Athlon Sports, you know, naming um, naming uh, Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal to their first team All Big Twelve. Um, I mean, that basically means you know the way that it's that it's set up is that they're expecting Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal to be the best quarterback and running back or up there at the top this year, which is a pretty high expectation. Like, but I mean, you look around the rest of the conference. I don't know that there's anybody that I immediately put over them. So like, yeah, that's a good reason for optimism. I do think though, we do not know what this team is like or how well they play playing with expectations. So there's going to be expectations this year. The question is going to be, can they handle that different way of, or that, that different weight that's on them as they're expected to be a really good team. Yeah. Well, and we saw, I mean, uh, DraftKings has them at six and a half wins and last year it was two and a half wins. So that's a four win jump from year over year that they're expecting. So that's, that shows you the expectations they're putting. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments. Be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you can't do that, though, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, just contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. We also are uh, a proud voter on the pod poll coming up for this year where a bunch of podcasters all get together and vote on who they think the top 25 in college football are for the year. Um, there's a logo contest going on right now. Make sure you go and take a look and vote for us. We really could use your help there. But um, make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. The promo code CHOCK12, you get some great deals. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.